This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome to another edition of the Prologue on America's Web Radio. This is a weekly program, and we bring you introductions to writers and books that you may not be familiar with. My name is Doug Dahlgren. I'm going to be your host for this next hour. I have uh, eight books, eight fiction novels that are out there and available. They're action thrillers, and you might just enjoy them if you give them a shot. They're on Amazon under my name, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the online sites. And, of course, you could also go to my personal website, www.dougdahlgren.com. Now, we call this program the Prologue because that's exactly what it is. It's an introduction. And while those introductions are mainly for writers, we love to bring you interesting people with just a good story to tell from other fields and other endeavors as well. Now, if you or someone you know has a book or that interesting story that just needs to be told, please, I want you to reach out to me and let me know about it. And there's two ways, two email addresses you can do that with. Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. I'd love to speak with you about being a guest on a future program, so please reach out and get in touch with me. My guest today brings a romantic tale of hard choices, a writing career that began with what could have been a very tragic ending to everything. As a student pilot preparing for her solo test with an instructor on board, the single-engine aircraft lost power. The situation was worsened by its impact on the instructor, who had never experienced what had happened to them. His reaction was panic. Our guest maintained her cool and landed the plane without major incident, but suffered a trauma that actually loosened her potential. Some years later, she wrote of the experience, capturing the emotion of all of it with her words. As the years passed, she wrote more and became a popular columnist that many look for each quarter in the Georgia Connector magazine. Honing her craft through these articles, our guest finally ventured into the world of fiction, romantic fiction, with her first novel, Act on the Heart. And this is your prologue. Tragedy and sorrow drive a woman to seek the comfort of her childhood home, a remote area in Georgia. Shallow personalities threaten the sanctuary sought by this newcomer. Family secrets become potentially public knowledge. Love and simple desire become a confusing tangle. More than one soul must ultimately decide whether to walk away from it all or to act on the heart. That's the title of the novel today. Our author, Jeannie Smith-Bernstein, is with us this hour. How are you, Jeannie? I am well. Thank you, Doug. Good to have you with us. Now, your inspiration to become a writer is fairly unique. Uh, I haven't had very many authors that uh, were learning to fly. Uh, Tell us what happened and how this thing unfolded. Um, Well, I really didn't want to learn to fly, but my husband was learning, and I found myself in the sky a lot with my little children, So I wanted to learn how to land, and I took the flying lessons, and I was all ready to get my FAA test, and I was making one final journey to uh, 
fulfill all the qualifications that they had at that time. And I had three 100-mile legs to fly, and I had to, um, one of them was to Huntsville, Alabama, and they told me because of the Redstone Arsenal that I couldn't fly over that because back in those days it was still uh, protected in the Cold War era, and so they, I was told they will shoot you out of the sky. So <laughs> I was I was being careful, and when I got to, this was in Alabama, and when I got through the first 100-mile leg, my tachometer was really just going crazy, and the instructor said he didn't know why, and he dozed off again. He, he was letting me do the flying, and he was just sort of there, and so... As soon as I got close to Huntsville, the um, the plane broke. It just um, slammed. Uh, the nose went up, and it slammed back down. It was just like a bucking bronco. It was my teeth were. Sh- I felt like they were shattered, and I was not real um, comfortable with all of the airplane lingo and the and the uh, tower had already vectored me around around the arsenal they had told me there was a navy jet in the pattern that i had to wait and get behind and so um, i just started babbling oh my god oh my god you know what do i do what do i do and the instructor looked at me and put his head in his hands and cried and um i got the word from the tower, very cryptic, well, ma'am, are you declaring an emergency? <laughs> and I realized that that's what I had to say. And I said, yes, sir, I declare an emergency. And he immediately became professional. He had sort of treated me before like he thought I should be home cooking supper instead of in his airspace. And so he, he vectored me straight across the arsenal he moved the navy jet and um didn't think i was going to make it because he told me that um there were some large parking lots around that i could look for and he told me there was a crop duster strip which i couldn't see and i couldn't get the instructor to stop crying and look for it so i managed to land the plane but i landed it on the airstrip behind the call numbers and when the mechanics towed it away they said there was only one bolt holding the engine in in the mount because something a rocker arm boss assembly had broken into about eight pieces but i thought the funniest part was the instructor got out of the plane slammed the door so hard the whole plane rocked came around and looked at me and said i knew redheads were bad luck Well, at least you got his attention. Uh, what what year was this? What year, when did this? That happen? was it. Was nineteen seventy four. Okay. Do you mm-hmm. still fly? I, I only commercially. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, I don't you, like small planes. Okay. Well, writing, as it turns out, was was an exercise that you used to work through the trauma. Is that correct? That's correct. I feel like um, my, without realizing it, um, my writing career began by falling out of the sky because I had 
hives, every time I would try to talk about the experience, I would just break out in hives. And I went to a doctor, and he said, well, it's simple. You just don't fly. And I thought, okay. And I, I got a few solo hours after that, and then I just gave it up, and I thought I would deal with it. And I don't know why I wrote about it. I, I've wondered about that in the past because nobody told me to. I didn't go to therapy. I didn't. But somehow, at some point, I sat down and just wrote the whole thing out. And once I had it safely captured on paper, I could talk about it because all of the emotion was, if I wanted to read it, it was there. But I didn't have to feel it, and I could talk about it. And so I hung on to that um, writing you know, tucked it in a drawer somewhere, and eventually when I decided to write as something more than just long, newsy letters to my family, I pulled it out, and I thought, well, you know, that's a story, and I, and maybe somebody would like to have it, and so I polished it up a little bit and sent it out, and Private Pilot Magazine published it in what I thought I was amused at their learn to fly issue. Now, what year was this? How long between <laughs> the incident and when you actually decided to make it a story? I think it was in the late nineties. I, ah. I think maybe maybe it was two thousand and one that it actually was published because it it takes a long time. Well, it takes about a year. Oh yeah. You know you. you so it had been a while. And they have to. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a long time because I had I had children to raise. I had a job, you know, a full time job, and um, outside the home as well. And I just I had people tell me over the years, "You should write. You should write." Um, you know, and I just I never thought about doing it seriously because I just didn't have the time. I, and so. Well, but I again, I, you you give credit to the incident. And the trauma yeah. that that puts you through for giving you the emotional basis for writing, you yeah. know, you were able to yeah. convey how you felt on, in, you know, yeah. on paper, and yes, that's very it, important. It taught me how to do that. It showed me that you can do that, and um, I, I guess it was a, a self-taught thing. Um, and once I started to write. That's that I pull from that. I always pull from that when I write, not thinking of that episode or that incident, but thinking of how how does this character feel? What are they feeling, and how do I get that on the page so that the reader feels it too? That's what I want when I write. Even in my little nonfiction pieces that I write for the magazine, they're stories. They're 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 stories from my childhood. I come from a uh, a rich Southern storytelling family, and um, you know, I'm I'm a porch sitter. I sat on the porch and listened to stories for my whole life, and heard that emotion in their voices and experienced those things that they were talking about. And it's different when you get it on the page. You, it's like an email. You can't you can't really know. It, what that person is saying because you don't feel that you don't hear them say it right so so the emotion is is important and I you know there are 
there's so many facets to writing, but that's the one that I, I don't know if I have a knack for it or if I just know the importance of it. Well, through I, all I, this, through all this and through the, uh, the articles that you honed your craft with and everything else and learning to write and getting the feedback from readers, uh, mm-hmm. finally comes your novel, uh, and you choose, <laughs> you choose a romantic, uh, novel. Uh, romantic fiction. It's titled mm-hmm. Act on the Heart, and we're getting ready to go into a break here, but tell everybody where they can find out more about you, Jeannie Smith-Bernstein, and your book, Act on the Heart. Where can they go to learn more? Well, um, it's on Amazon. It's uh, published by uh, Black Opal Books, Inc., which also has the website. My website is JeannieSmithBernstein.com, and um there are links on there, buy links that you can get. Uh, you can get it at uh, barnesandnoble.com, just about anywhere, like you were talking about your book, all the online sites. And um, it's in the Blue Willow gift shop in Social Circle, and it's in um, Heaven's Gate Bookstore in Edenton. And those are the, the two places that have it on the shelf at the moment. Excellent. And I would love to get it on more. <laughs> oh, we would all like that. Listen, yes. folks, you're listening to the prologue this morning. We have as our guest Jeannie Smith Bernstein. My name's Doug Dog, and we're going to be back with more from Jeannie after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back. We're here on the prologue on America's Web Radio on this Veterans Day 2016 uh, Jeannie Smith-Bernstein is here with us today. And, Jeannie, we wanted to make sure people who are already looking for your website that they understand how to spell your name. Would you tell them real quick, how do we spell Jeannie in your case? Well, in my case, it's just like out of Aladdin's lamp. It's G-E-N-I-E. And okay. Bernstein is B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. So altogether, the website would be Jeannie Smith. 
Bernstein. Jeannie Smith Bernstein. All right, very good. Listen, Jeannie's kind enough to let me do this. I mentioned earlier there, just a few minutes ago, this is Veterans Day 2016. Normally we do not date the programs. Uh, Jeannie's given me permission to do so. This is a very special Veterans Day, and uh, we just want to, make mention of a couple of very special groups of listeners that we have out there. Not only the vets who are here at home, but we've got two groups, the uh, armed forces, active armed forces who are around the world. This is a Internet radio station. We are active everywhere on the planet. Right now, people are listening across the globe. So we have people in uniform who are out there working hard every day, to keep us safe back home, and we just really want to recognize them, thank them for what they do, putting it all on the line every day, and uh, thank them for everything that uh, that they've done for us. Freedom's not free, people. It's bought and paid for by those folks in uniform, so please remember them, thank them when you see them, and here at uh, America's Web Radio, we certainly thank them every day. And uh, real quick, I also want to mention we've got some heroes locally, those first responders here at home, police, fire, the EMTs, all the way to the 911 operators who answer the call when we need help. These folks don't know who you are, but they respond to you. And we want to make sure that we thank them, recognize them, salute them when you see them. Uh, and folks, thank you for listening, and we thank you for all that you do. Now, Jeannie, thank you for that, for letting me do that. We're going to get back to you. You have become quite accomplished with telling your stories. You're a regular contributor to the Georgia Connector magazine. Would you take a second and tell everybody who may not be familiar with that publication just what it is? Well, Georgia Connector is um, It's called Georgia's premier regional quarterly magazine, and it features the county's east of Atlanta, about 15 counties, I believe it is um, based on the way Georgia's tourism is um, designed, these counties are all in one group, and it's a tourism magazine, It it, it talks about different things happening, it has a calendar of things that are happening in all the different counties, it highlights the governments of different counties. It highlights people in the counties and um, businesses um, Businesses advertise in it. So it has a 10,000-issue run, and those are distributed quarterly throughout the area. Now, are there subscriptions available? There are subscriptions available to it. It is it is given away free. Those 10,000 copies are, are put around, and they're at the Welcome Centers, and they're at um, um, the Chambers of Commerce, and they are at the different restaurants and businesses and shops. And so it is, it yes, is... yes, you can subscribe. It is available in print, and then I assume also online? Yes, it does have an online website. Okay. Um, GeorgiaConnector.com, I believe. All right. And so... So our listeners interested can just look it up, georgiaconnector.com. Right, right. It's a a well-done, well-put-together magazine that has many, many interesting things in it. I'm just amazed every month when I get my copy and I look through it and I think, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) There's always a a wow or two and, uh, and about things that are 
almost out my back door that I don't know about. And it gives you an opportunity to find out about things that are within a day's within a day's drive. You know, it's wonderful. Not only are you a regular contributor to that magazine, you have been included in four volumes of O oh, Georgia. Now these are anthologies of Georgia's most promising writers. Uh, that's quite an honor. You also won a prestigious literary award in a neighboring state for your story, Southern Hospitality. Would you tell us just real briefly about that? Um, about the story about winning the award? Both. <laughs> well, Southern Hospitality um, is a little bit of a misnomer because the story itself is about... Uh, well, I guess I should back up just a second. I love generational stories. I love a story that brings in something that hails back into another generation. So that this, that's one of the things that this story did. My mother had a premonition about someone who spent the night in our yard, a woman in a, uh, a covered wagon when I was a child back in about 1953 this woman in a wagon came <laughs> like a like a Conestoga wagon with a horse and so forth and my mother just knew she just knew and she wouldn't let her in the house and my daddy was sort of eh she can spend the night out there don't worry but she's not going to harm anybody but she she had some evil intent and my mother sensed it and as a child, it made an impression on me, and um, 50 years later, um, a serial killer came to my door here in Athens, and it was about a month or so before he killed his first victims, and um, when I opened my door and I looked at him, I knew, I just knew. I think God looks after people, and I just absolutely slammed the door in his face. And my son, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not accustomed to slamming doors in people's face. And my son and his friend were standing there, and they went, "Whoa!" And I said, "Listen." And I, I, I heard my mother's words come out of my mouth. I said, "There are some people in this world you don't want anything to do with." Mm. And about uh, this man went known to kill five people here in Athens, and. When his, paper, when his picture was in the paper, my son picked it up and said, Hey, Mom, this is that dude you were so rude to. <laughs> so that's what Southern so, Hospitality is all about. That's what Southern Hospitality is all about. And that was the story, the, the two generational stories that I connected in that one story that won the award. It won a nonfiction award. And I never... Think of my, I never had, it took me a long time, let me say it that way. It took me a long time to think of myself as a nonfiction writer because I think of nonfiction writers like my husband who writes educational things and mm -hmm. uh, people who write essays and political strategy and things like that. But my stories are nonfiction because they happen. They're real. Now, my fiction, I wrote three mystery novels that are somewhere in a drawer somewhere. They got good response, but no, nobody wanted to publish them. They were my, they were my education, I think. And before I went into writing romance, and it's 
it's just a matter of connecting everything, I believe. It just, mm-hmm. I, I can't quite explain it. There's something miraculous when you start to write. Well, there is. You know, when, when it works, it works great. And when you can tell the readers are going to be taken and captured by it. Now, you obviously did very well with your act on the heart. I'm assuming this is the one that was nominated for Georgia Author of the Year just this year. Is it that was. correct? It, well, it got me that honor. It got it, Yes, this, this was the book. And it's a romantic intrigue. Um, I didn't see it that way as I was writing it, but um, it's, it's billed as contemporary romance and romantic intrigue. And um, it has been well-received. Uh, people like it. They, um, it's not, when you say romance, people immediately, I think, go to the bodice-ripping kind of romance. The guy with the long hair and all that stuff. Yes, yes. And I'll, um, But this is, I call it a hallmark story because I guess that's my, my dream is that it would be made into a hallmark movie. But uh, it it uh, that that's the kind of story it is. My my um, my characters are faith based. It doesn't preach at you. It doesn't. Uh, but it, the people are the people that I know and that I'm comfortable with. The hard part of writing romance is to keep you and your characters where you're comfortable. There's a whole difference in romance and sex, and it it's a uh, it it's hard. It's hard because there's a different readership, I guess, and I just had this sort of arrogance when I was writing this book that I was only going, you know, I was, that people would read it and they would like it. If I wrote it as well as I, want, as I possibly could, then it was going to find a publisher and it was going to have a readership. And... It has, and it's been it's been a real blessing. It's been fun. It's been um, everything that I could have asked. Well, it falls into the category, the genre, basically, of romantic fiction, and yet people have made the comments that they're not romantic fiction readers, but they enjoyed Act on the Heart. So I said that 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 pretty well tells the story of it. Uh, you you were in that genre, but you were telling a meaty story. You had some, some flesh on the bones in this thing. It wasn't just uh, sex, as you say. Well, thank you. I, I, I think my characters are, I think I got some depth into them. I understood them. I love it when um, the characters become real to me, and these characters did once uh, once that happened, I knew I had a story that I could really um, get some depth into. Um, I had one 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 character that I wanted to make into a smoker, and he just would not smoke. Every scene <laughs> I wrote, every scene I wrote where he was smoking didn't work. And finally, it dawned on me: Joe just doesn't want to smoke, and so I made him a former smoker there you go you know he 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 was comfortable with that and so was i it's it's really it's really a magical sort of process when you get into well you're a writer you know when you get into that fictive dream and it's all so real it's almost like you're just recording what's going on exactly you're watching it play out in front of you and all you have to do is you just have to capture it and describe it 
That's, if that's, you can capture, uh, we're back to capturing the emotion. If you can capture that and get it on paper, it's it's almost cinematic when you when you're seeing it in your head. And all you have to, I, I, I don't, I'm sure you've done this. I cried when yeah. I wrote <laughs> uh, when I wrote the scene where Joe thought Catherine was dead. I cried. Oh my goodness. And, and so when I did that, I thought, okay, I got it. <laughs> you did, you did. Folks, we're listening to Jeannie Smith-Bernstein. She is the author of Act on the Heart. And we're here on the prologue on America's Web Radio. We're going to be back with more from Jeannie after these messages. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to the prologue on America's Web Radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here this morning with Jeannie Smith Bernstein. Jeannie is the author, among other writings, she's the author of a romantic fiction novel, Act on the Heart. Now, Jeannie, your protagonist is an editor who flees from New York City and uh, runs back home to try to get away from really a, a serious set of depression over a major tragedy. We don't want to go into details too much unless you want to, but she has good reason for leaving. Uh, tell us what you will about your character, Catherine Tribble. Well, Catherine is um, smart. She's educated. She's driven. And then everything in her life that she's accomplished, her goal was to be a New York editor And by the time she was 30, and she accomplished that. And then she just lost everything. Um, she lost her husband. He was a photojournalist who was killed in uh, Iraq. And she also had a miscarriage. And so she was 
done with everything. She just, her whole life was, everything she had accomplished didn't mean anything. And she was very much on the brink of depression and smart enough to realize that. So she came back home, and home was Athens, Georgia. And she uh, just wanted to be left alone. And as it turns out, one of her high-powered, famous um, clients, uh, someone she had edited a book for, um, wanted her to edit his next book and wouldn't leave her alone. And so the story is propelled from that. Um, she had encouraged him. His first book was nonfiction, and she had encouraged him to write fiction because she thought he was a really good writer. So he did. He wrote a mystery, and he based the heroine on a southern woman who experienced exactly what Catherine had experienced and was out to avenge her husband's death, and she became like Jane Bond, you know. She became... Uh, and Catherine was, was devastated because she felt exploited. And so there, she refused to edit the book. She refused to have anything to do with him. But by that time, his cousin, who was a, a famous movie star, a megastar, had decided to make the book into a movie, and he had also decided to make Catherine his wife. So we have three people here <laughs> with who all want something different, and how it you know how it plays out is is fun, and um, that was that was the whole inspiration. The well, if you want to know the actual nugget I had for the story was um, birds. The the male birds have all the plumage. They and so these two men were famous, and they had all everything. And and the female bird is demure. She's she's almost dull. You know, she doesn't have that plumage, and she's so I wanted these two male birds to be after the same female. And I wanted her to be able to choose. And so that's sort of what happens in nature. And that was that was the little bitty idea that I had when I start, sat down to write this. How about that? That's 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 interesting. I had not picked up on that, but that's that's very insightful. Now your character of Joe, Joe Butler uh, he's not really a stalker. He's an author who was uh, somebody who was pleased with Catherine's work on, on other books that he had put out. And so did he physically follow her to Athens, or was it just communications? He He's a, a famous person who is used to getting what he wants. And he manages his cousin's um, career. So... And his cousin is a playboy, and so he's used to having to deal with him. And what he did is he did come to Athens, and and then when Catherine read, he brought her the manuscript. They met at Blue Willow Inn, and she took the manuscript, read it, and refused to have anything else to do with it. And he had 
friends in Athens who were in the music industry, and so he already had some connection to Athens. And then when his his cousin, who is the star, his name is Colton Bennett, when Colton got into another fray of with media storm and needed to have somewhere to go to, to let that all settle down, Joe just thought about Athens because he had just been here. He had just stayed with his friends, and, you know, he came because of Catherine. But he ends up purchasing or leasing um, a house on the corner of the, the roads out in the county where she lives because he saw it was for sale when he went to, to visit her. So, yes, he, he's not a stalker, but for reasons of his own, he thought that was, the and it was, the perfect place for Colton to, to be. And so now Catherine has her little cottage that's about a half a mile off the road that you can't see, but she has these two famous guys jogging up and down you know, her... her <laughs> Showing off their feathers, right? <laughs> That's right. That's the plumage is there. <laughs> okay. So, no, there's nothing stalking about it except that um, Colton has a stalker, a woman, and he has... Uh, Catherine is put in grave danger because this woman decides that she has to get her out of the way so that she can have Colton. And uh, there, there, there are layers and layers to this book, like any other book. Uh, Colton had a child with this this woman, whose name is Phoenix, and Joe has raised this child from birth, and it's it's his child. And so, a lot of what Joe does is driven by the little girl who has an illness. And he, before any of this happened with Catherine, he had moved her to Atlanta so she could be treated at Children's Health Care of Atlanta. So we have, you know, layers and layers of things going on that put these people in the same proximity. You know, folks, I'm going to get in trouble with some of the other romance writers here, but it's easy for that type of genre for the characters to be, how do we say, two-dimensional, just kind of flatlined, uh, because they're yeah. there for one purpose. That's what makes act of the heart stand out because these characters are very multidimensional uh they are real and and you can relate to them the people can uh and you've given yourself away you mentioned the daughter the young girl uh mm -hmm. her name is Wren, folks and so there there comes the birds again so uh Jeannie's well, given us interestingly enough <laughs> interesting that you would mention Wren's name is spelled w r e n n and I got it off the name tag of a fast food worker. I went to Chick-fil-A for lunch, and this lovely young lady's name tag said Wren. And I had no idea that I was going to let Joe call her Bird. But he, he calls her Bird. That's his nickname for her. But I just liked the way it was spelled. So think, magical things happen. Yes, they do. When you write. Absolutely. Now, how did you go about developing these characters? Well, I write a draft. Sometimes, probably I write two drafts. And uh, I work hard on the drafts. I don't just throw out a first draft like a lot of people do. I just, I don't have that ability. And so uh, I know I know how the story ends when I start. 
and then I just I write toward the end, and then I go back for another pass, and then you ask me how did the characters develop? Is that well? How, how did you are they are these folks that are from your life? Are these people that you know? Uh, are any of them based on you and your experiences? Oh no, no. They they are probably based more on fantasy. I mean, doesn't everybody want to marry a movie star? No, not really. But uh, you know, it's it, it's sort of a fantasy. Uh, yes, I I would love to be more like Catherine Tribble. I'd like to be uh, as capable as she is and as insightful as she is. But I'm not. And Joe Butler is just um, he. I just I really think he almost took over the book. I liked him so much, and my writing group warned me, Joe is taking over this book, and the next romance I write, I'm going to write it from the male perspective because I, uh, that's not the popular romance. Romance usually has to be a heroine, has to be the main character, but I had so much fun and felt so close to Joe that uh, my next my next project has, the main character is the man. Ah. So, um, not necessarily no, Joe, but a man. No, no, I, I'm not going to. I don't. I see this as a standalone book. I've had some people ask me about writing a sequel. My editor even said she would like to edit a sequel. She would like that. No, Colton would like a story on Colton, but. Um, I don't. I don't see it. It hasn't spoken to me yet. Now it may. I'm taking. What I'm doing is I'm taking the three mysteries that are in a drawer somewhere, and I'm turning that in there. The couple that are in there. I'm turning them into a romance. They always ah. teetered on the brink of romance, but I never let them be romantic. And so now I'm going. I'm not necessarily going to let them. It'll be another romantic intrigue. There will be some, but it won't be a mystery. Okay. I just don't have that knack for plotting a mystery, uh, a, a real tight thriller. I just, I tried it, and it's not, it's not what I do. So. Well, was there one character you've mentioned several, and again, all these characters kind of come to life off the pages. Was there one in particular that was the most difficult to write? Oh, definitely, Catherine. She was, my heroines are always hard to write because I don't want them to be weak. And what I do is I tend to get them too stoic so that they're not likable. And finding that balance is very difficult for me. Um, I don't know why. Um, women cry. But if your heroine cries, you know, you want her. I don't. I don't write the kind of heroine that's a spitfire. You know, the the redheaded uh, with a sword, and you know she's gonna have her way, or or it's the highway. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't write that sort of character. My characters are strong women. It's difficult to show. I, I did this in my mysteries, and this is one reason I just couldn't get them to work. They're strong. They have strength. Okay. But and I'm going to need to. I'm going to need to interrupt women. you here for a second because uh, we're going to finish okay. up with this description of Catherine. 
right after these messages. We're here this morning with Jeannie Smith-Bernstein. You're listening to the prologue, and we'll be right back. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. It's that time of year again. If you suffer from itchy eyes, sneezing, a constant runny nose, sinus headaches, or an increase in asthma symptoms, and you're tired of using allergy medicine, maybe it's time to stop putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Peachtree ENT Center believes in treating the problem instead of masking the symptom. We are pleased to offer an innovative alternative that can free you from this routine. Sublingual immunotherapy is a safe, easy, and effective way to treat allergies to food and environmental allergens for you and your family. Imagine placing drops under your tongue to treat allergies. No shots, no office visits with time off from work, and freedom from needing daily allergy medication. Just think next year... You can actually enjoy being outdoors. About an hour of your time is all it takes to change the quality of your life. Remember, Peace Street ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we are back on the prologue. Good morning to you. We're here with Jeannie Smith-Bernstein. She is a writer and author of the book Act on the Heart. We've been talking about her characters, uh, talking about the strength of her protagonist, which is Catherine Tribble. Uh, I had to cut you off because we went into a break there. Uh, but Jeannie, tell us real quick, what else was it you wanted to let us know about Catherine? Well, um, I just... I think I was talking about how difficult it is to write a heroine who who shows emotion without appearing to be weak. It's hard to find that right balance. Um, I often get them so stoic they become unlikable, and that's not a good thing. So um, that was all. I just um, well, you have captured, more difficulty. You mm-hmm. captured her very well. I, here's a question for you. There's so many really good mm-hmm. characters in there. Have you ever thought up a character and got started and then had to really just say, this guy's not working, and leave them out of the book? I don't think so. I think if there, if I, and I guess it's possible, but I don't believe so. Okay. I don't think so. All right. I so think, when you're I writing... I'm careful to bring, to not, 
that old adage they say, you know, don't don't have somebody new bring something into the room if you've got somebody there that can already go get it. You know, you don't want to add too many characters. So in, anytime I bring in a character, they have a purpose. Okay. And so you can tell rather quickly whether or not that character's working. Well, if they're not working, then I change them. Ah, okay. Good answer. I make them, you know, yeah. Good answer. All right, we want to we want to go on to some other things here about you, but give us real quick your what we call an elevator pitch. If you're at a book signing and you capture somebody's eye across the room, what do you say to them to make them go out and buy Act on the Heart? Well, I tell them Act on the Heart is a book about courage. That's that's the definition of courage is Act on the Heart, and that it is about uh, a woman who has to choose between two men. And, it, no, that's not a good elevator pitch. <laughs> I, I don't have it on, on the tip of my tongue. Though. That's Sorry. fine. Folks, it is a great, it, it's listed as a romantic fiction. It is much more than that. You will enjoy it. And uh, we hope you'll go out and look it up and uh, see what other folks are saying about it. That's probably the best thing to do. How's that? <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Right. I, I, I have written a million elevator pitches and thrown them in the trash so uh, it's hard to capture a book in a sentence or two well how about doing this tell the folks one more time where they can learn more about act on the heart well um they can go to barnesandnoble.com and they can go to amazon has a good um a good synopsis of it um on there um amazon and you can order it in kindle or you can order the book there um and my website, JeannieSmithBernstein.com, there's some reviews and some explanations on there. And um, also on the website are copies of or links to, to all of my Georgia Connector writings. All oh, my very good. Are on there. Very good. Yes. yes. Now, so just click the link. We were talking about your characters, and I want to touch back with them just a minute. When you're writing, we're going into your process now about how you write. Mm -hmm. Do your characters ever change the direction of the story that you had laid out? Yes, yes, they do. Um, like I said, I know the ending or what generally i believe it's going to be the ending i don't write the ending first but i do i i, I know where i want them to end up right and, and and so the direction of this story was changed a lot by the character um phoenix the stalking character she changed the story a lot and uh more than i had expected her to and the little girl changed the story a lot it completely changed uh, uh, Joe, and uh, I had, I, 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 yes, yes, I can't think of any other examples. Catherine, I pretty much knew, and she stayed in, in the pattern of what I had expected her to do. Um, some, of the, um, some of the characters that were secondary characters, change i had an end i had there's, there's people just don't like loose ends and i do i don't my, i don't try to tie everything up so there were a couple of things i did not tie up 
that I ha- that I went back and tied up. Um, they wanted to see the ultimate, um, the the denouement, as you would say, of Phoenix. They wanted to see actually what happened to her, and so I had left that to, you know, I, I, you have to compress time, and so oh, I yeah. left that okay. that in sort of referred to it. But anyway. Uh, yes, I, I would say definitely. Um, the characters just, they, they definitely change direction of things. Okay, well, that's pretty. And I think that's a good thing. Yes, absolutely, because they come to life, like we said. If they're just flatlined, they then, then yeah. you know, nothing happens. Now, when you're writing, do you have a regular set schedule of when you say, I'm going to sit down and write? I used to. Um, I used to have a, a a schedule that was sort of inviolable. I would write from 8 to, to 11 every morning. And um, I don't now. And the reason I don't is because I have to allot so much time to marketing and to, you know, getting out of the house and going and doing book signings. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's a... Um, it's a juggling act, and I have to say my writing has suffered because I don't have that same schedule. I also became a swimmer, which I, I needed to get exercise, and so I started lap swimming, and I try to work that in, and that works out better in the mornings. You know, So right now I'm in flux, but yes, I believe that there should be a block of time, and I, I'm, I'm searching for it myself at this point. The hard thing about writing for me is in order to conserve your creative energy, you know, if if I'm in a peak writing time, I feel like I almost have to socially withdraw a little bit. And it's kind of like keeping secrets from your friends and family because they can't understand it. And you're doing things in the normal world, but your mind is not there. And... Sometimes I I go to something that I really would enjoy going to, but I know I need to be home writing, and I don't enjoy I get I don't get that level of enjoyment out of it if I was free to enjoy it. So writing is a twenty four hour a day process, and I know you know that you your characters are in there. You 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 just got to get get that time, and I do. I need to do that. Uh, that's a that's a that's how my list of things to do is to find my feet again, my writing feet, and what do they say? Apply the seat of the pants to the seat of the chair. There you go. <laughs> have you ever had writer's block? Not really. Not really. I have writer's freeze because I have too much I want to write about. Okay. And sometimes I'm just almost frozen because I can't decide what to write, what project. What's in the pipeline for Jenny Smith Bernstein now? What are you working on? You alluded to it a while ago, but what is it you're working on now? Well, I have I have a couple of things. Um, I have a children's picture book in the works. It's been in the works a long time, and I, I would like to get it in a form to where I can start shopping it around. Um, I'll continue my quarterly column in Georgia Connector. I really like that readership, and uh, that's fun. And I've 
the one I mentioned before will probably be a romantic intrigue, and it will probably be titled Trust. I have the hero and the heroine. Um, they're an interracial couple. And they seem to always be on the verge of romance, and so now I'm going to let them go for it. Um, they uh, get into con- a contentious situation over an elderly um, Alzheimer's patient and then go from there. And uh, I have her as a well, real estate agent and okay. him as, you know. Well, we hope you're going to let us know when that one's ready. I'm excited about that. That sounds interesting. We hope you'll let us know when it's out. Listen, this has been a tremendous pleasure. Wonderful talking to you this morning. I want to wish you continued good luck with Act on the Heart, and I want to thank you for being here on the prologue. Thank you, Doug. I've enjoyed it. Is there anything we've left out before we close that you just need to mention? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just love writing, and I love having readers. <clears throat> and so uh, that that's, it all boils down to that. Well, listen, tremendous. Thank you again for being here. <clears throat> Listeners, I want you to tell all your friends about the show and how they can listen to the free podcast by clicking on the links at America's Web Radio. That's it for this hour. Again, I want to thank my guest, Jeannie Smith-Bernstein. Look for her book, Act on the Heart. You will enjoy it. So for myself, I'm Doug Dahlgren, and for our guest, Jeannie Smith-Bernstein, please let me say be good to yourselves and each other. Read a book. If it's not Jeannie's, maybe you'll pick up one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.